Well, hello, I'm Karen Conley and welcome to Leadership Conversations through Lead Like Jesus. I'm so glad to have you with me today. And we have such an important topic that we are gonna to bring to our leaders in our audience. Everybody is a leader. If you have influence, then you are a leader. And that is the topic of legacy. How do we have a legacy of leadership and you can probably see on your screen already that I have not only a beautiful guest with me, but we have with us a woman who has so much to offer us on this topic of legacy. I hope that you will welcome with me, this is Cheryl Giesbrecht-Turner. Cheryl, you are very familiar to our Lead Like Jesus team, um, and you have so many different ministries, so much outreach. Let me share with our audience in case they're not familiar, but you are an awesome author um three three books have you written more since then are you at three yeah, books I, I now have five yeah five books what is your latest it's called it'll be okay finding god when doubt hides the truth very good very good well um as we wrap up our podcast we want to make sure that we give all of our listeners an opportunity to know where to get your latest books um, you also have a television and radio ministry. Um, you served at Focus on the Family as a columnist. You have had such a breadth of experience, and I'm just grateful to be able to have an opportunity to talk with you on this topic of legacy. So welcome to the Leadership Conversations. Thank you, Karen. This is so exciting to be a part of what is happening with just, it's amazing the technology nowadays. Isn't it just we can watch and a lot of times I'll watch a podcast or hear a podcast, just listen, you know, and every once in a while I'll go back and look at the person and just yeah. remind myself of their face. So it's great. So thank you for having me. Absolutely. And, and as we start talking about leadership and legacy, I, I think our audience would love to also hear your role at Lead Like Jesus. Um, tell, talk to us a little bit as a facilitator and the role that you've played within our ministry in particular. Well, I love to train leaders and as a Lead Like Jesus facilitator, have been honored to do that in, our, in my community for nonprofit leaders and business leaders. So that's been just a huge blessing to me. And then I've taken some of the tools, some of the concepts and woven those into other leadership trainings that I do in Africa, the Middle East, and also here in the United States. So, you know, the, the principles are tried and true. They work. It's because Absolutely. they're founded on God's word. Amen. Well, that's fantastic. And thank you for the way that you are a part of that ministry and the way that as we talk about the legacy of leadership, what you just described, you're actually modeling of creating a legacy by, by training. Um, as we begin this conversation, maybe one of the things that that should be obvious to believers, um, but, but maybe it's not as obvious. Talk to us about when we think about legacy and then the importance of it, how did Jesus himself actually model this idea of creating a legacy? He had the 12 disciples and then he had the three that were the closest to him. And so just looking at how our Lord did leadership and it multiplied and we now see the evidences of his discipleship and his leadership evident in the way the gospel is being reached today you know there are so many more conversions in china and africa than we've ever seen before but one of my favorite books is john maxwell's book mm -hmm. the 21 
irrefutable laws of leadership. And he says this, that leadership, like what Jesus did, should be like the abominable snowman whose footprints are everywhere but are nowhere to be seen. Hmm. And leadership for us that are intentional, and that's the key word is intention, um, to leave a legacy. And that's how we can tell if we're doing right by those we're leading is if we're passing it along. Because I don't know about you, but I've, I've been getting older since <laughs> coming up <laughs> on a birthday in about two months and thinking about the legacy that I'm leaving. You know, really, I've, I've started thinking uh, probably about 20 years younger than I. And mm -hmm. it's, it's good, but it's, it's not like I want to act younger. It's that I want to pour into people that I know will be here and in ministry. Not that I won't be here on this planet Earth, but uh, you get what I'm saying is to pass on the baton of leadership. Absolutely. One of the definitions um, that I think everybody could relate to in, in this world of legacy, it talks about a leader creates a legacy when she or he puts the organization in a position to do great things without them. Mm -hmm. Now, I think all of us are trained in our culture that we want to be the one that's, you know, leading the charge. And, and, and if we have success, then, then people will do things under our direction and we're, we're kind of there, but to do it without us, talk to, to our, talk to me and talk to our audience. What is different about that approach and what, what, how do you have to have a mind shift to really begin to think that way? So in Maxwell's book, he says the law of legacy is a leader's lasting value is measured by succession. And some key leaders that you and I know of and some are familiar, we're familiar with Reverend Billy Graham. Mm -hmm. What about Jesse Jackson or Dr. Martin Luther King? And there are other ones too. Of course we have our Lord Jesus Christ, but, um, the bottom line is we stay in step with what the father asks us to do. And that's really how they uh, pass the leadership baton on. They stayed close to the heavenly father, but they were also born to serve. So being born to serve means you, you ask your father every day, what is your plan for us today for me and you? And, and actually how can I implement this leadership model? Because as you know, we have to be totally dependent on what the Father wants us to do. Absolutely. So you, you just mentioned one really key um, characteristic of somebody who is really prioritizing um, healthy leadership and creating a legacy through their leadership, and that's service. Mm -hmm. um, what other things would you say you observe in a leader that really has this priority? Mm -hmm. So serving them but also um, serving in the attitude of humility. Mm -hmm. And really, it doesn't really matter who gets the credit to take, take the blame if it's, if it's our not fault, but if you know what I mean, it's sometimes there are things that we have to take responsibility uh, for things that could have been handled better or turned out with a better outcome. I'm thinking of fundraising events that I've hosted that haven't, brought in the funding that we had projected as a board. So then it's, you know, and I'll say, I, I take full responsibility for the outcome 
of the project that maybe didn't turn out because it's all about encouraging people and also saying, um, I think we'll learn from this and we'll be able to humbly say, um, I'm going to just see how I can better serve you the next time around. Another thing is obedience. And for those of us that are lead like Jesus facilitators and students to just know what God wants for us to do. And that comes through an attitude of submission. And that comes through asking God every day, coming before him with a humble heart, with a submissive spirit and saying, what is it that you have for me to do? So Cheryl, as I'm listening to you and, and you've just talked about several really important character qualities and leadership qualities of being an encourager, um, taking responsibility. And, you know, it's, it's that thing of, you know, leadership is, it's not a privilege, it's a responsibility that mm -hmm. um, in that role that you, um, if something doesn't go right as the leader, you take responsibility. If something goes well, then you give credit to everybody else on the team. Um, you've talked about obedience and submission. If somebody's listening right now, um, and, and maybe we can break this into some, some different segments. If, if someone's listening right now, and maybe they are in a traditional leadership role and everybody around them views them as a leader, maybe of their, their ministry, their organization, their nonprofit, whatever it might be. Um, and, and you were to be able to sit across the table from them and have coffee what would you say to them if they're feeling like, I don't, I don't really know that I'm doing this. I don't know that I'm creating a legacy. Where, where do you start? So I'd probably take them right to John 15, where Jesus talks about how he stays connected to the vine and his father is the one who gives him his marching orders. And I know I just said that before, but, but it's hard to get encouragement from any place else but God's word. And mm -hmm. so as we go into what John 15 says, it, you know, Jesus' words are, I am the vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears fruit. Well, that pruning process is the painful thing that as leaders, we don't like it much. We don't mm -hmm. like it when our people go through it much either. But mm -hmm. what happens when people are going through a time of difficulty where they, they feel like I wish people would notice me or I wish I was thanked more. It's also that we need to deflect and say, okay, if I'm not being thanked, then maybe I need to be thanking someone on my team more or giving them credit for what they did do that they think is a big deal, but I don't think it is. It's a small thing, but to them it's a big deal because number one, maybe they followed through and they never had done that before. Another thing that is so important and so hard is fear. Um, that's another reason why some leaders don't um, give away the leadership role or teach people is because of fear. Um, they're afraid that somebody's going to do it better than we are. But guess what? Isn't that the key? I wish they would so that I can work myself out of, uh, out of a job. Absolutely. You just alluded to um, a really a, a very fundamental issue that every human being has. And, and we have fear that creeps in, fear of, of being insignificant, of, of people forgetting us. Talk about for, for a leader that um, may not identify that, 
Um, how would you, if you were a leader and you were wrestling with this idea of legacy and are you creating a legacy and if not, why not? What would be maybe some questions that you would pose to yourself to really kind of dig below the surface and find out what really is the cause of me not moving forward in that particular area? I believe behind every fear, there's a lie that I've chosen to believe. Mm -hmm. And so I would have to, again, spend some time with the Lord and just ask him to show me what area I'm being deceived in and really take it to heart. And again, open up the Bible to John 15 and ask God, you know, where I need the pruning, because if I'm a responsible leader who loves, loves what God's doing in me and through me, but also I want the best for my people under me, I want to know what I'm doing wrong and why I'm afraid. Because as you know, fear is, fear is a thing that can be just devastating. It can be kind of like being frozen in a big block of ice. We're not sure how to break that out. Well, the way it works is that we, God gives us the ice pick of his truth. And it's that we chip away at each and every lie that we've believed about ourselves or a style of leadership that we can see that it's not, the enemy doesn't want us to be brave and the enemy doesn't want us to be courageous. You know, how many times in God's word does it tell us to fear not? Mm. That is one of the biggest commands throughout the Old Testament and new that, that Joshua and many of the warriors were told fear not. Mm -hmm. And when we are operating in fear, we're believing a lie about something that maybe happened or that something about our leadership style or even about the people that we're serving. Well, and I, as you talk about that, I'm sitting here thinking, you know, there's probably uh, some leaders that it is, um, again, maybe not identified, but fear or pride that keeps them from giving things away. Um, what would you say to that leader that, that maybe it's, and, and maybe there is a culprit underneath, but maybe they would just say, I'm, I'm just so busy trying to sustain. I'm just so busy trying to keep things going. Like, how do I even begin to think about legacy? What would you say to that leader that's feeling right now? Like, oh my gosh, I can, I'm trying to, you know, make sure I hit the bottom line and I keep everything afloat and everybody has their jobs and all those things. What would you say to that leader that's maybe feeling overwhelmed? That's a good question. It goes back to our leadership training, head, heart, and hands, mm -hmm. and basically going back to what our heart tells us, especially when we're that busy. Uh, I think that is a red warning light. It's a, it's a signal that says that if you're that, if you're too busy to take time to figure out what, what could change, then I think we're too busy and we're running in circles chasing our own tail. Mm, that's a great, that's, you know, we don't like to hear that, no. but we need to hear that. We need to hear that. So, um, so in, in this, as we kind of come to the conclusion of this particular talk, um, I would love to just hear from you some wisdom as a leader who's maybe, maybe they're listening to this and they're thinking, you know, I really haven't been intentional about leaving a legacy. And, and I really do want my ministry and my business, my faith, all of these things to continue um, long past my, my full engagement. Um, 
what would you suggest to them in terms of as they look out at their team, um, at the people that God has given them influence over, what would they do? How would they start that process of beginning to be intentional? Every worker, every employee is different, has different strengths and skills. How does that all play into how a leader should move forward in being intentional and creating a legacy? I think it works out by way of spending time with people and knowing your people and also asking God to help you determine who your successor is. Mm -hmm. There's a story that is shared in John Maxwell's book, The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, and he talks about the founder and chairman of the CEO Coke company. His name was Rob, Roberto Guizieta, and his goal was to make Coke the best company in the world. In 1997, he was at the peak of this company, and he unexpectedly died. But we all know that Coke did not die. In fact, Coke came out and probably uh, was, it came out stronger than ever. Um, but when, so what he did was he was developing his legacy when he took the company over in 1981. In 1981, the company's value was $4 billion, And under Guizieta's leadership, it rose to $150 billion. And so how did that happen? First, he made the company as strong as he could. And I believe that for us as believers, we have all the tools that we need in God's word. And for those of us that are in leadership, I look to my leadership mentors and I ask them, let me find out what you did. Not only looking in our Bibles and what you know Jesus did, but I look at those around me and I just glean from them. Some of them I spend time with about once a month because we all have different seasons in our lives. And this season that I'm in right now, it works out to be about once a month that I get a couple of hours with one of my mentors. But then also doing that same thing for your own mentors. I don't know how many people, some people can mentor a lot of people at once. I'm not that type of person. I can only do about two or three because I just pour in myself into them. And it can be exhausting when you have family and you have a husband or wife too. So um, the second thing that Goizieta did was he prepared a successor for that top position. And for us in leadership that were in the top position, this is, could be scary, but it could also be um, one of the things that pride we talked about earlier, um, because we think that nobody can do it as good as we can. But one of my mentors in a past uh, job situation had told me, I want someone that does this job better than me. Mm -hmm. And that's what his goal in pouring into me was. And that's my goal in pouring into someone else. Because this next person is going to be able to do things that I would not do. And that's not a bad thing. Their style is different. Their history is different. Their grasp of what the ministry, where it needs to go next is different too. Um, and the third thing that a leader has to do to, to pass it on to their successor is to um, actually let go. And my word, that's the hardest thing to do. <laughs> now, um, so Guizieta let go of it. <laughs> he had to because he passed on. However, sometimes um, we were talking early on in the conversation about successful passing on. There, there aren't that many that are successfully passed on ministries. I think the one that I know of that I mentioned earlier in the conversation is Billy Graham. Mm -hmm. Passed it on to 
to Franklin Graham. And that's quite commendable. But remember, Franklin came in under a different ministry. And then his father, he came under Samaritan's Purse. That was his main ministry. And then he uh, joined up with the Billy Graham Crusade. So there's nothing wrong with that, except for just, you know, you're multiplying yourself and what you do. So. Well, I love the, the different things that you just mentioned are really practical because it may be for a leader that their next step is to start mentoring. Maybe, maybe they just in the busyness of life have not taken the time to really invest in those that are in their circle of influence. And so it might start with mentoring and that, that may be where they are able to identify oh, wow, this person has the strengths and gifts that could be able to carry this ministry, this job, this company forward. So those are, are terrific um, specific ways that people might be able to move forward in that journey. Um, as, as we just throw out one last question to you, for, for maybe those that they're not in those top leadership positions, they, they may be there in early in their career, mid-level career. Um, as we're sitting here having this conversation about leaving a legacy, why is it relevant to them and how is it relevant to them? I think whether or not we are intentional about leaving a legacy, we are leaving a legacy. Mm -hmm. And to, just to look at all of us are leading someone if you're a stay-at-home mom, you're leading your kids. If you're a dad who's working, you feel like your job is mid-level or something and you, you, you want to move forward in your job, well, you look, look under you, there's probably someone else under you or that works alongside of you that you're mentoring. And whatever mentoring means is leading for positive results or mm -hmm. the other side, negative results. So um, it has a lot to do with attitude and keeping focused on a positive attitude. For us as leaders, uh, that whether or not you think you're a leader, you are. And just to be empowered and encouraged that everyone is leading someone. Mm -hmm. And to think about how, how you are leading and what you are leading them to and what you are leading them for. I love that because it's true. It doesn't matter where you are in, in a family, in a ministry, in a company, there is always somebody that you can be pouring into, somebody that you are setting an example for. And so I appreciate your words and, and all the wisdom that you've brought to this conversation. Cheryl, I know that our um, listeners and our viewers would love to be able to become more familiar if they're not already with your books and your um, TV and radio. What's the best way if anybody with Leave Like Jesus wants to follow up and connect with you? I have a couple of websites. The first one is from ashestobeauty.com. The second one is my name, Cheryl Giesbrecht at, at CherylGiesbrecht.com. And the reason why I'm saying it, the first one is easier to remember, but it's also easier to spell because my name, Giesbrecht, is very difficult to spell. <laughs> um, but the other thing is you can always find me on Facebook. I'm under author Cheryl Giesbrecht. I'm under Cheryl Giesbrecht Turner. My new last name when I got remarried six years ago is Turner. And it's an easier name, but I'm known as Giesbrecht. And now that you're totally confused, you can always email me <laughs> at CherylGiesbrecht at AOL.com or Cheryl at from ashes to beauty.com. 
Great. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for the way that you've spoken in and encouraged all of us, no matter where we are in the leadership spectrum, to consider our legacy and hope that you will join us for another podcast soon. And for our audience, you want more resources on leadership material, you can also go to leadlikejesus.com and we'll see you next time for Leadership Conversations.